Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Early on in his piece, Technologies of the Self, Michel Foucault is going to talk about two key precepts, or you might think of them as guiding ideas, and the relationship between them in Technologies of the Self and how they are understood and applied. This is in the section, The Development of Technologies of the Self, and then he takes it up again in the section that he just titled Summary, and and there's also a couple insights from a little bit later on in the essay that we want to bring up in order to understand the relationship between these two precepts. So, so what are these two precepts? He tells us that there's two of them that are particularly important and that one comes to supplant the other. So the first one is epimolesthe, sautu or how to, taking care of the self. We're going to flesh this concept out. It also includes the notion of concern and the notion of doing something, not just like feeling something about yourself but, or thinking something about yourself, but, but, but doing something. So there's that. And then there's the famous Delphic, that is from the Oracle at Delphi, Maxim, Gnothi Salton, know yourself. And there's, there's a tendency, as he points out, in philosophy, and he's thinking about the philosophy of the you know, French at his time, but I think this would apply very well to the way that we teach philosophy and talk about or celebrate philosophy on a very superficial level in our own time. We really do prioritize this gnothi salto, know yourself. The unexamined life is not worth living is, is the catchphrase that we usually associate with it with the figure of Socrates. And as Foucault rightly points out, any attentive study of even the most basic documents like the apology of, of you know, and depicting Socrates from a platonic perspective, not even to mention Xenophon's perspective, would show us that this is just one little piece and that care of the self is actually much more important. So how do we understand these in relation to each other? So Foucault goes on and he says, among the Greeks, these practices in late antiquity, but also in early antiquity, took the form of a precept to take care of yourself, to take care of the self, to be concerned, to take care of yourself. And he said that this precept of the care of the self, and in French, souci de soi, right? The same sort of interesting linguistic things going on there, souci, concern, care, soi, self. There's a reflexivity to this, right? It is the self that is caring for the self. And so there's, there's a sort of subject object at the same time. He says, this was for the Greeks, one of the main principles of cities, one of the main rules for social and personal conduct and for the art of life. For us now, the notion is rather obscure and faded. Now it's interesting because really for the Greeks, was this the main thing? We have to be a little bit skeptical of that for two good reasons. One is that if you've read a lot of Greek literature, no, there's a lot of different competing principles at play, right? And a little bit later on, he's going to tell us that Socrates was telling his countrymen in Athens, hey, you are paying attention to the wrong things. You need to pay attention to the self. And presumably he wouldn't have had to say that if it really was like the guiding principle. 
But let's go along with Foucault for, for the moment, right? He says, without doubt, our philosophical tradition has overemphasized the Delphic principle, gnothi seauton, know yourself. You know, when we ask people, what is the most important moral principle in ancient philosophy? That's usually what people bring up. And he says, it's overemphasized that and forgotten the care of the self. The Delphic principle was not an abstract one concerning life. It was technical advice, a rule to be observed for the consultation of the oracle. Know yourself meant and now here he's, he's really going off a little bit into interpretation that could be wrong on this know yourself meant do not suppose yourself to be a god other commentators suggest it meant be aware of what you really ask when you come to consult the oracle and, and you know okay these are plausible ideas it can also be extended as it was to you should know who you are so we've got these two could be competing could be collaborating principles care for yourself know yourself, both of which involve this reflexive relation, either of action or understanding of the self to itself. So a centering on the, the person. Both of these are connected with each other, clearly connected with each other. The question we have to frame then is, well, what should be the prioritization? Do you focus first on care of the self and then through that arrive at knowing oneself? Or do you say, well, you've got to know yourself first and then you can begin to care for yourself. And you know, the answer to this, again, if we delve into texts and traditions is not quite as univocal as saying, well, there's like, you know, cultures and times where one has a clear priority and there's others where the, the other has a clear priority, but we can distinguish things maybe on a continuum. Another key thing that he brings up here is should these be understood as principles or as ongoing practices? You know, knowing yourself, is that something you can do in a period of time and now it's kind of fixed and you know who you are, not just in a general way, like knowing human nature, but knowing the specificity of yourself or is even that an ongoing process that may change over time. Definitely care of the self has to be an ongoing process, not merely something that you say that sounds cool, right? That's not care of the self. And there is a really interesting point here. Uh, there's a lot of key insights. Actually, one of these is that, like he says, in the Socratic dialogues in Xenophon, Hippocrates, the Neoplatonist tradition, one had to be concerned with oneself. One had to occupy oneself with oneself before the Delphic principle of knowing oneself was brought into action. There was a subordination of the second principle to the former. He gives some examples of that. One of those very examples is Socrates saying to his countrymen, who presumably are not doing this, I want you to be concerned with yourself, not just with your reputation, not just with making a bunch of kids that are going to like pass on your line, not just with making money or whatever it happens to be, right? So there's a couple other key insights. One that I think is particularly important, especially in a time when a lot of our discourse about the self has become, you might say, bound up with the discourse of a secularized mindfulness tradition that is there, by the way, in not just non-Western philosophies like, like Buddhism, uh, where it's drawn from, and then they take all the Buddhist content out of it, but, but also in the West, for example, in the Stoics' conception of attentiveness, right? Or even the sort of care of the self that we're talking about here. 
So he tells us that, here we go, epimelestai expresses something more, much more serious than the simple fact of paying attention. So there's, there's a lot more going on there. You do have to pay attention. You do have to have attentiveness. The Stoics actually, like Epictetus, suggest carrying it out all the time, but that's not enough. That's not a full care of the self. He says, it involves various things, taking pains with one's holding and one's health. It's always a real activity and not just an attitude. It is used in reference to the activity of a farmer tending his fields, his cattle and his house, or to the job of the king and taking care of his city and citizens, or to the worship of ancestors or gods, or as a medical term to signify the fact of caring. So that, that's one key thing. It can't just be reduced to paying attention or mind mindfulness or, you know, even attentiveness like stoic prosoche. Another thing that he says a little bit later on is that the care of the self is a widespread activity. It's not abstract advice, but a widespread activity, a network of obligations and services to the soul. So this is quite important. And then the third, I think, really helpful way of, of understanding what he's talking about here is that the new care of the self involved a new experience of the self. And he's saying this at a particular point in time, but we could say this about what it was that philosophical and medical and theological slash practical, you know, monastic discourses were doing with these new cares of the self new aspects of the soul, perhaps even you could say new aspects of human nature itself are being revealed to us in, in ourselves. And that's why it's so important to read authors who we may not agree with or want to take on so we can see what it is that they actually discovered being there, right? Now, he also talks about there being a shift, a very interesting shift in modernity to focusing on self-knowledge, but not self-knowledge in the ancient sense, a much more abstract self-knowledge and prioritizing that over the care of the self, even to the degree that maybe the care of the self winds up being submerged or being forgotten. Now, why does that come about? He talks about two main different things going on that, that he sees as particularly connected to this. I don't know that this is, you know, a full account, but I don't know that we actually need a full account at this point. He says, there's several reasons why know yourself has obscured take care of yourself. The first, he says, there's been a profound transformation in the moral principles of Western society. We find it difficult to base rigorous morality and austere principles on the precept we should give more care to ourselves than to anything else in the world. We're more inclined to see taking care of ourselves as an immorality as a means of escape from all possible rules. And he says, this is an inheritance from Christian morality. And you know, this is largely in line with some other discourses on the nature of modern morality. And we can say certainly that there's a tendency to view concern with the self as just, you know, bare egoism. And we don't want that. Instead, we want something that's more other centered, right? But it could be that we totally misunderstood that. I mean, you can see a great example of this is the, you know, late 20th century, early 21st century discourse on is Aristotle an egoist or, or an altruist? And the answer is, blah, <laughs> these categories don't even work. 
they're a misconception. Anytime that you approach Aristotle with that in, in mind, you might generate something interesting for that discourse, but you've totally misunderstood Aristotle, particularly when you're looking at his discussions of you know, friendship and stuff like that. So that's, you know, that's part of what's going on. He also says another thing about this. We inherit a secular tradition that sees an external law the basis for morality. How then can respect for the self be the basis for morality? We're the inheritors of a social morality that seeks rules for acceptable behavior in relations with others. Since the 16th century, criticism of established morality has been undertaken in the name of importance of recognizing and knowing the self. So it's difficult to see the care of the self as compatible with morality and he says really what we got here is a morality of asceticism so it's it's not going to recognize anything like a robust care of the self is good the second is that the focus on self-knowledge in what Foucault is calling theoretical philosophy here he has in mind, he, he talks about Husserl for example because you know all of us are reading Husserl and Descartes okay more people read Descartes than, than Husserl but there is this focus on consciousness, on the knowing subject, epistemology is first philosophy. He is right about that, right? And we could equally target Hume or Locke or much of you know, contemporary philosophy that's oriented around the, these points. The human subject in much contemporary philosophy is very, very abstract, right? Compared to the human subject in ancient and medieval and even some early modern philosophy, like you could think about Pascal, for example. So this focus, he says, on knowledge, knowledge of the self as the thinking subject takes on an ever-increasing importance as the first step in a theory of knowledge. And so this obscures, once again, the care of the self because the care of the self essentially becomes irrelevant. The self is just this concrete particular particular individual and we don't really care that much about that as a matter of fact if we want to know things in philosophy we need to get away from the particularities of who we are and how we're constituted so there's something here to this and we can say that Foucault in the broad sense is probably right that there's too much emphasis on knowing the self and not enough emphasis on you know, the robust possibilities of a care for the self. How does this tie back with technologies of the self? Both of these would be connected with technologies of the self, would they not? As a matter of fact, knowing yourself is important, but care of the self is how those technologies are in fact deployed, expanded, and replicated, you could say. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.